I, I remember like a pivotal moment after a few months, we finally decided to take a day off. It was like a slower time of the year. So we thought, okay, let's go to the beach. Let's go to Clearwater Beach, which is like a, back then it was like a two and a half, three hour drive from Orlando. So we went there. We set up everything on the beach, our umbrella. We had our cooler with us, our chairs. And exactly like 10 minutes after we were set up, we got a call from a guest that I don't know how they did it, but they locked themselves out of the home and they couldn't get in anymore. And the only way to help that guest for us was to get into our car again, drive two and a half hours back, um, get the spare key and open that door for them. And that was like a moment that I told my wife, I said, look, this is just too much. I'm, I'm, I don't want to keep on doing uh, um Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, Zach here. Quick question before we dive into today's chat. So are you ever scrolling on Instagram and you see these like ridiculously beautiful Airbnbs that look like they're fresh out of a dwell or restoration of hardware magazine? And have you ever wondered to yourself, like, how the heck are these hosts able to afford to furnish their spaces so elegantly? Well, I wondered this too, until I found out that there's actually a secret that many of the best Airbnb hosts know that enable them to buy things like West Elm media consoles, crate and barrel couches, and parachute sheets at prices that you just really can't get anywhere else. And that secret? Well, it's Minoan, a completely free platform to purchase everything that you need for your short-term rental. If you have more than one short-term rental, chances are that you use some sort of system for your property management, right? Whether it's like a guestie or an uplisting. Well, Minoan is the system that hosts use for furnishing and refreshing their homes. Minoan provides hosts with a one-stop shop to get hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands and a system where you can manage all of the ordering, all of the tracking, all of the returns, et cetera, in in one place, which obviously just saves you a lot of time and money. Oh, and the best part, again, is that Minoan is totally free. Like, no membership fees, no annual dues, nada. Like, it's almost too good to be true, except for the fact that, well, it is true. <laughs> and if you thought Minoan couldn't get any better, well, that's actually where you would be wrong. So I want you to stay tuned for more info in just about 15 minutes from now that'll make you want to sign up for Minoan the minute this episode is over. All right, so stay tuned in just a few minutes and hear a little bit more about why you want to sign up for your free, totally free Minoan account the minute this podcast is over. In just a moment, you'll meet Dennis Hooted, founder and CEO of Casiola, one of the hottest vacation rental management companies in the short-term rental space today. Dennis is no stranger to entrepreneurship. He started and sold two companies in his native Belgium before moving to Silicon Valley to find inspiration for his next big thing. And while he couldn't have known it at the time, that next big thing would be a vacation rental management company based in Orlando, Florida, that is helping to write the book, 
in real time on how to build such an exceptional hospitality brand that short-term rental managers from around the world want to franchise with you. In this episode, Dennis and I discuss why Casiola builds their own software in-house, why Casiola is quick to grow regionally but really slow to grow nationally, why he's bullish on franchising in the STR and vacation rental spaces, and the entrepreneurial opportunities he sees for founders in the hospitality industry. All right, friends, without further ado, get ready to meet Dennis. All right, Dennis, we are live. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Zach. Happy to be here. I'm excited to finally have this conversation with you. I feel like I've seen your face all over the place recently. I think you've maybe been on several different podcasts recently, and it's a it's a pleasure to finally get to hear the voice behind the face and, and spend a little time chatting with you and hearing your story. Yeah, thank you. Excited about this. Well, I have loads of questions for you, but as I was doing a little bit of research on Cassiola, I stumbled upon your profile and learned that this is not your first rodeo as an entrepreneur. In fact, you've started and exited two companies previously that, from what I can tell, had, had nothing to do with vacation rentals and, and hospitality. And so I, I wanted to hear a little bit about these two businesses that you started. I believe you started your very first business when you were just 18 years old. So, so take us back to the beginning of where where your entrepreneurial journey starts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so if you were wondering where that strange accent is coming from, so I'm originally from Belgium, um, a little country between France, Germany, and, and the UK in the center of, of Europe. Um, and I did indeed uh, start my first business um, the week after I turned uh, 18. I couldn't start any earlier than that. <laughs> um, and my first business was actually a company that provided everything for event organizers. So we, uh, you could uh, buy posters and flyers to promote your event. You could buy shirts for your, your team at the event. We had light and sound equipment. Um, we rented out DJs. Uh, Everything that you would need for an event, you could get uh, um, from us. And the really innovative thing that we did is we created like standard packages and we put those prices out on our website. And remember that was in the year 2000. So before even Facebook existed, online payments uh, didn't exist. So um, no one really did that. And when we started doing that, they were all like, oh, you're crazy. Your competitor can just go uh, $5 below your price and you're never going to get any work. But the reality was people didn't want to contact 5, 10, 20 competitors to compare prices. They just wanted that convenience of um, just knowing what they were getting for what huh. price and, and ordering it. So that was going really well. Um, we we were able to grow the company, did events for, for a few years in every little venue um, inside and outside uh, um, our city and our country. And then one of the things that really started to take off after a few years was the printing section of our business. So in the beginning, we created like posters and flyers for events. Yeah. Uh, but the way we did it is we combined all those orders on one big printing sheet um, and we would print them all at once at a much, much cheaper rate than a traditional printing company uh, um, could do that. Um, and more and more regular businesses started to reach out to 
all the brochures and business cards and 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 yeah advertisements for their business um, through our event company. And after a while, we decided, hey, I think here's a huge there's a huge market in this. Just doing um, the printing side. Yeah. Um, after a while, doing events and and being out and about every weekend until late at night or early in the morning, I should stay should say, um, also starts to wear on you. So we decided to um, sell off the event section of our business and started to focus a hundred percent on um, the printing uh, side. And that was really successful. Uh, once we started doing that, it really took off. Um, we became um, very quickly one of the, the larger uh, printing companies in uh, Belgium. Wow. We expanded to um, different countries. We had offices at the end in seven different countries. We had a production facility in Belgium um, and also one in Morocco. We opened the design center in Morocco where we have graphic designers also. Wow. Um, creating all the designs for our customers um so yeah it was really uh, great something completely different uh, than vacation rentals yeah um i sold the company in 2013 i wanted to do something else um also in a different country i i i grew up in belgium i started my businesses uh, um, there so i Never really had a lot of time to to travel. Of course, I had vacations, um, but I was never able to study abroad or, or travel around the world when I was young. So I thought, hey, instead of starting another business um, here in my hometown, let's just try it somewhere else. Huh. Uh, and I had no idea what to do, uh, but I was always very attracted to like Silicon Valley and all those startups uh, that you see there. So... I just took a plane and went to Silicon Valley for a few months. Um, love the environment uh, there. Um, everybody's like working on, on a great idea. <laughs> a couple of these startup weekends where you get together on a Friday, a couple of people pitch an idea. Everybody gets behind some of those ideas. You work on it the whole weekend. And by Sunday um, afternoon, you have like a proof of concept that you're going to pitch um, in front of, of VCs or investors. And if you're lucky, by, by Sunday evening, you have like a real uh, company. <laughs> so I did a couple of those, loved it. Um, everybody's so into, um, yeah, into creating businesses. But I also realized pretty quickly that Unless you raise a lot of money, um, it's almost impossible to start a business in, in San Francisco yeah. or Silicon Valley. Everything is so expensive. Yeah. Even hiring talent, you're competing with Facebook, with Google, um, all the big guys. And I really wanted to, to have something of my own. I didn't want to get on that uh, high-speed train again of, of having investors and VCs. I've done that with my previous business. So I wanted to do something on my own. Was very interested in real estate, so starting to look what could we do with with real estate. And actually, I also I, I then ended up in um in LA in the Anaheim area around Disney World. Okay, and I came across something called vacation rentals uh, um that I never heard of uh, back then. We're talking about 2013, so uh, 11 years ago. Um, and yeah, I thought there's, there's something in it. Uh, um, it, it, it's real estate related, but everybody is booking vacations online, which tied in perfectly with my previous business, yeah. uh, the printing business, because everything we did was, was online. 
So I saw that I could use my e-commerce experience there. Um, it's real estate related. So started to do some more research and came to the conclusion like, hey, Orlando is the number one market in the US for vacation rentals. So let's just go there and, and see if, if we can do something there. And that's what we did. Wow. Came to Orlando, really loved the area. Um, it's a huge city, but it doesn't feel like a city. Everything... Um, if you see where I live, it's it's just 15 minutes from Disney, from the airport, but I'm living at a lake in the middle of nature. It doesn't feel crowded. Um, there's not too much traffic, or back then at least, there was not uh, too <laughs> much uh, traffic. So I just decided, hey, let's do it. I'm going to start a vacation rental business. Had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, but that's that's how I got uh, um, into this industry, uh, not knowing anything, but just thinking like, yeah, this sounds like fun and, and easy to do. <laughs> fun and easy. Uh, uh, I wonder if you'd still think it's easy today. Um, <laughs> hopefully yeah, still fun. Well, that, it didn't last long. Uh, um, it's still fun, but it was so hard. Yeah. And, I actually, I call it my biggest mistake that I've ever done is, is starting a vacation rental business. So in the beginning, I, I came to the US, I, I left everything in, in Europe, um, moved to the US, just me and my wife. We purchased a small existing uh, business with 20 vacation rentals all in one uh, resort. Um, and we got started and I envisioned myself like sitting at the pool all day in the nice Florida sun. It rains a lot in Belgium. So one of the reasons uh, um, to, to start this adventure was also going to somewhere where the climate is really nice, where there's a lot of sun. So I saw myself sitting at the pool with my laptop and a cocktail all day, <laughs> just waiting until someone maybe needed something. And oh boy, that was a big uh, um, mistake. Um, I, I don't think I've ever worked so hard as the first two years doing um, vacation rentals. It's nonstop, 24-7. Um, you get calls, you get messages. Um, my wife was doing like everything in the properties, making sure that the housekeepers did their job. If guests had any issues, she would go and, and help out. I was doing all the um, guest relations, the the pricing, the the, the listings, uh, accounting, marketing, those kind of things. Wow. So, yeah, we we have been working at least for two years nonstop, seven days a week, um, until late at night. And I, I remember like a pivotal moment after a few months. We finally decided to take a day off. It was like a slower time of the year. So we thought, okay, let's go to the beach. Let's go to Clearwater Beach, which is like, a, back then it was like a two and a half, three hour drive from Orlando. So we went there. We set up everything on the beach, our umbrella. We had our cooler with us, our chairs. And exactly like 10 minutes after we were set up, we got a call from a guest that I don't know how they did it, but they locked themselves out of the home and they couldn't get in anymore. And the only way to help that guest for us was to get into our car again, drive two and a half hours back, uh, get the spare key and open that door for them. And that was like a moment that I told my wife, I said, look, this is just too much. I'm, I'm, I don't want to keep on doing uh, um, this um, in, in this way. We, we either sell the business and look for something else. Or we grow the business so that we can hire staff and we don't have to be on call 24-7 anymore. And in the end, that's what we did. I, I, I 
still saw a lot of opportunity in yeah. this industry um, that was even before Airbnb was even a thing. So I saw a lot of potential um, and, and we really um, yeah started focusing on, on growing the business, um, adding more people, coming up with systems, with branding. And uh, yeah, we were able to, to grow the business into 450 homes in into three different destinations uh, today. Wow. All right, friends, it's me again with just a wee bit more info about our friends at Minoan. So in addition to providing hosts with a completely free system to help streamline furnishing and granting hosts access to hundreds of discounts on the world's leading brands, Minoan also enables hosts to make their homes shoppable in a way that's subtle and also sophisticated. So here's an example of how this works. Let's say a guest sends you a message remarking how well they slept during their stay. And they ask, you know, what kind of mattress was in the master bedroom because when they get home they want to buy a new mattress because again they had just such a beautiful night's sleep right well as it turns out it was a purple mattress that you had ordered via Minoan when you were furnishing your home. Well, if that guest does go and buy a purple mattress, Minoan thinks that you should get a cut of that sale, right? After all, it was a great night's sleep on your mattress that convinced this guest that they had to have the same one. So Minoan's technology enables hosts to earn commissions on everything from mattresses to coffee makers and soaps to sofas. You can save on high-end furnishings upfront, and then if you want, you have the ability to earn cash money whenever your guests buy the products that they fell in love with while they were staying at your vacation rental. So again, you don't have to do this, right? You can just use Minoan to buy these incredible, glorious furnishings for your home. You don't also have to make your home shoppable, but if you want to do that, Minoan provides a really easy, simple way to do this that does not, you know, disturb guest experience. It's not like there's like price tags on everything, right? Like it's a very subtle, very sophisticated, kind of like one little QR code uh, that you can put anywhere in your in your home and folks can go in and, and explore the, um, the furnishings uh, around your space just by quickly scanning that, that QR code. You could throw it in your, you know, on your kitchen sink, near your kitchen sink, or you could put it, you know, near, uh, near the guest bedroom, whatever it might be, right? Um, so I want you to take a moment right after this conversation, or you could pause the episode and do this right now. And I want you to sign up for a free account at MinoanExperience.com. Please, please, please tell the folks there that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Just head on over to Minoan. That's M-I-N-O-A-N, experience.com. And again, be sure to tell them that Zach from Behind the Stays sent you their way. Thanks, guys. Really, really appreciate you taking some time to check out Minoan and let me know what you think about their offerings. I have a, I have a lot of questions for you. This is a super, super yeah. helpful. I, you did a fantastic job of like painting the context and, and sharing sharing a lot of your story here. To back up just a little bit, what what was it specifically that you thought you guys would do differently? Like, did you come into this space thinking, hey, we want to become vacation rental managers and we have some sort of unique, uh, you know, uh, talent or we have a unique angle here? Or was there anything that you like, did you observe in your research? Did you observe other businesses and think, oh, hey, we could do this better because I have X, Y or Z experience? Or was it really... I have no idea what this business is. I just like the idea of it. Let's let's give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we definitely I definitely did my research and I although I did not know anything about this business, 
I saw a huge market back then in Orlando. There were already hundreds of property managers. Yeah. And just based on their websites, the, the way they presented themselves, I knew I could do better. I'm a marketing guy, so I've been doing marketing my whole life um, from, from events all the way to, to um, the printing company. Yeah. Um, I knew we could do better and we could stand out in the markets. And and the story on how the, the color and, and Casiola came to be, because that's also something a lot of people ask, like, oh, is your favorite color pink? Well, <laughs> it's not. But the reason why we picked pink is because when I did my research, I, I put all the logos of all the companies I could find in this area on one big uh, sheet. So all our competitors and I picked the exact opposite of what everybody else uh, had. So all the logos looked very similar. They had usually like some kind or shape of a house, yeah. a palm tree, a sun. They had green, yellow, um, and, and blue usually in the logo. Um, and, and yeah, nothing really stood out. If, if you were looking at that sheet, like everybody almost looked um, the, the same. same. <laughs> so I went with something completely different, which... Um, we still have a house in our logo, but um, with a hard shape. And I, I picked a color that would really stand out with, which was uh, uh, magenta. Yeah. And that's how we got started. And I, I didn't, during doing my, my uh, uh, printing company, we were also very, it was an e-commerce business. So we were very data and, and technology driven. Uh, we had to build all our software in, in that business because there was nothing out of the box that you could buy to, to start an online printing company uh, back in the day. So we had developed everything ourselves. Um, and I, I, I was hoping I didn't have to do that in this industry. But then once I got um, working with the existing vendors and, and software systems out there, I also realized pretty quickly that they were so far behind on, on what I really was looking for and what I wanted. So um, we also started creating our own software wow. and, and doing things differently. What I learned from, from the e-commerce side often also applied on vacation rentals because people book their stays um, online yeah. uh, or at least the, the shift was happening for booking their stays online. Yeah. And I remember very well, I had like, when I bought the business, the existing business, it came with like two weeks of training and the previous business owner was showing me like, yeah, once we get a booking, first thing I do is I send an, e um, an email to the guest with a board document in attachment. <laughs> and that board document, they have to print out. They have to manually fill out their credit card details and, and their address and so on. And then they will fax it back um, to us. So here's our fax. Here are all the faxes from previous uh, reservations. That's what we keep on file as, as guest information. Wow. And I was thinking like even in 2014, like who still has a fax that is, so, why Why would you do that? You can do all those things online and 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 yeah, remove that, that barrier for guests to book with you. Um, so from the beginning, we really focused on, on making the process smoother, hmm. um, applying all that know-how that I built up over the years uh, from, from our e-commerce business. 
we added the the branding on top of that then we also started creating our own uh, software and that really has been a, an amazing combination wow. uh, once we had all that in place we did really differentiate ourselves from from the competition and more and more owners uh, just starting to reach out to us uh, asking us to join our program instead of us having to go out and and um yeah trying to find owners to join our program they were starting to come to us um because they they saw what we were doing and what we we're doing different yeah. uh, compared to the competition yeah I, I i mean unbelievably impressive right like you're not just managing these vacation rentals you're actually yeah, a tech company in some senses and you're building your own your own software in in um in combination what t today Cassiola is what 450 properties you said that you guys have under management yes correct yeah and you guys are in three locations so you're in orlando is it aruba is is another one and then what was what's the third aruba. the last one we added is uh, miami miami okay okay wonderful yeah so um all, all very like tropical destinations. You guys have grown since 2014. We're you know in 2023 now, so that's you know impressive growth. Did you at, at any point in time did you go and like look at what other managers were doing, what other businesses were doing, and like or 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 did you really sort of just decide, hey, you know what? Based off of my past experience as an entrepreneur, I I know enough that. If, as long as we can do X, Y, and Z things, like the business is going to be able to grow, right? Like, I guess, how at what point in time, if at all, did you start looking around and trying to figure out what, what your peers in the space are doing? Because growing a large vacation rental management brand has proven to be very difficult, right? Man, many have tried, and many have, yeah. you know, from from many accounts, failed, right? So, so what, what, was it about your vision for Casiola or what is it about your vision for Casiola that, that you feel like stands out and, and, and stands apart? I think especially in the beginning, I was looking a lot at what others were doing um, just also because you don't know the industry. Yeah. So I think it's important that you learn from, from others and, and see what you like from a certain competitor and then try to do it yourself and, yeah. and prefer even a little bit better than they are doing it. So absolutely, um, I, I always look around. I think it's important to know what's, what's going on in the market. But at a certain point, you're also like you have to focus on your own business yeah. and what works. And if you get really an advantage on, on the competition, um, after a while, it doesn't make sense to look at what they're doing anymore because you're so far ahead of them that yeah. you need to, um, you have to come up with new ideas to, to keep that, uh, um, to that distance. So, um, not saying that that no one is is further ahead than us, yeah. uh, of course. But uh, um, you always have to look for for new uh, things, and you don't want to just copy what what others are doing. Um, and, and a couple of examples there is also, I, I think we were one of the first ones to start with revenue management in in the Orlando um, area. Uh, one of the first customers of, of Beyond Pricing. So that was something new. Mm. We really saw that it was working great, revenue management in, in general. But now today, everybody's doing revenue management. So what's yeah. what's next? What are you going to do now um, to make that difference? Because if everybody's using the same software or algorithms, um, you, need, you need to try something uh, um, to... to get you a little bit higher in, in the ranking. And yeah. that's what we're really focused on right now is 
uh, the ranking on all the different OTAs. How can you improve that? There's so many tips and tricks and, and small <laughs> tweaks that you can do to rank a little bit higher. That has nothing to do with price. Yeah. And I don't think most managers are, are focused on that right now. They're, they're all now just catching up with revenue management. Yep. But now that the market is shifting and, and revenues may be down a little bit, we need to look at, at other things, uh, um, what we can do. And, and we always try to um, to stay one step ahead of, yeah. of what everybody else is, is doing. But of course, you also want to make sure that you don't miss the boat on, on certain things and yeah. then look um, at, at what's going on in, in the market. Um, can I, sorry, can I ask a quick, let me, let me just ask a quick, a quick follow-up question there. Like in, in, in this vein of doing new things and, and doing uh, things differently, you guys are doing some franchising right now, which is super cool. And I, and I want to talk about that in a second. But first, uh, a big question I have for you is how focused are you guys on building a consumer-facing brand, right? Meaning it's it's one thing to build a great brand and a great reputation of vacation rental owners, right? It, it's it's another to then, in an effort to increase direct bookings, if that's a, a objective that matters to you, you 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 have to build a consumer facing brand right and and mm-hmm. i think it's really hard to do both of those things well and so i i just be curious like is that an objective of your guys's like is 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 Casiola, is a, a strategic priority to be able to build awareness and ultimately like cultivate uh guess who know the brand enough so that they're looking specifically for a Casiola home when they're going to go travel to miami or or is that sort of a secondary or tertiary goal compared to let's just become the best that we can possibly be in the eyes of vacation rental owners? Like where, mm-hmm. if, there, if there's a scale there, if there's a pendulum, like yeah. where, where does that swing? I think right now becoming a consumer brand is the ultimate goal. I think if, if you grow as a company, you, you almost have to become that consumer brand, but Right now, on a, on a scale from one to ten as a priority, I would probably say it's like uh, two, okay. so very low at yeah. the scale. Um, our key to growth is owner growth, so we we almost do not spend any budget on creating a consumer brand. We already have the brand, and we try to to um stand out and 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 do the regular things but we don't spend a lot of money to become a big uh, consumer brand at this time we spend most of our budget on owner acquisition and becoming brand for owners um and then as you mentioned we we just ventured into franchise so um we're also now trying to expand that brand into the industry itself um so that people if people are looking to start vacation rental business that they will also think about um uh, and what we can uh, do for them and how we can help them scale their business so um yeah are there- ideally the future people would be looking for casual vacation homes but i'm very realistic right now we don't have the the footprint or the size to um yeah to be a serious uh, uh player in in that market and that will probably take many 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 years to to even get there honestly dennis i i'm so like impressed that you're kind of like saying this and, and talking about it so openly because I do think that there's this tendency, especially for for folks who have grown uh, their brand a little bit, to to really mm-hmm. sort of latch on to we want to become a consumer facing brand and we want you know we want 60, 70, 80% direct bookings and, and whatnot. And 
the reality of the situation is like that is incredibly hard to do. It is it is remarkably difficult, right? And I think that you you can do that and then it's really hard from an owner acquisition strategy standpoint to grow there. Mm-hmm. You you kind of have to choose I would argue one path at least at least at the offset, right? Um and so I appreciate you kind of just saying very like bluntly like hey, yes, goal one day not a not an immediate priority. In terms of no. the our, oh, our goal go today ahead. is that every guest that has stayed in a Casiola vacation home knows that they have stayed in a Casiola vacation home. That's that's our only goal. Once yeah. they have been inside that they know that it was a Casiola home. If they're going to remember it a year from now or two years from now, that's a different question. Yeah. Uh, but at least we want them to know, okay, that was Casiola. Um, but other than that, you you didn't uh, um, that point there, like getting 70, 80% direct bookings for us would come at a cost that is a lot higher than yeah. getting OTA bookings right now. And and that doesn't make sense in, yeah. in, in our Orlando market, for example. Yep, yep. Ah, oh, gosh, couldn't, couldn't agree with you more there. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. I, I want to ask a little bit about franchising, right? Because uh, I'm sure I know that there have been others that have kind of experimented with this, but like, what what is your what is your sort of model, Ben? And like, what what are you guys what are you guys trying to do? Like, can I like let's say I I am an operator, I've got 10, 15 homes, I what come and pay an annual licensing fee, I get training from you guys, I get access to the brand. Like, what what does it actually look like today? I know it might evolve as you guys continue to grow, but what does it look like currently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it also has like come up organically. It was not a plan from the beginning, like, mm. oh, we're going to start Casiola and now we're going to get into franchise and, and spread all over the world or the, or, or the US. So up until the pandemic, we were just in Orlando, um, still so much opportunity to grow here. So my position was, hey, let's let's first focus on Orlando until we reach a certain point that we cannot grow anymore. If we have like 50% of the market share, yeah. then we may think about going somewhere else. And just so you know, in Orlando, there's probably around 100,000 vacation rentals wow. available and the largest company has less than, than half a percent market share. So even today, there's still a huge opportunity um, but then we also saw during the pandemic, we got hit really hard, especially in the beginning. Um, yeah. 
Florida was closed for a little while, but then um, everything started to reopen. And you saw that all those coastal vacation rental managers were killing it. The mountain destinations, they were killing it. Um, and, and no one really wanted to come to Orlando because yeah. who wants to go to a theme park in in uh, <laughs> um, in the middle of a pandemic? Even though theme parks were open again. Um, no one wants to to wear a mask in a hundred degrees and, yeah. and keep a six feet distance uh, from from everyone around you. And it was also risky because you have people coming from everywhere that you don't know that yeah, that, yeah you have COVID and and you may get it too. Um, so that was really like a wake up call. Like, hey, we we probably need to diversify a little bit uh, um, into different uh, areas uh, too. Um, just in case something like that may happen again. And, and there's other things that may happen. A huge hurricane may come to Orlando and wipe out the whole entire city. And yeah, and yeah then you're, you're like stuck as, as a business. What, what are you going to do? May take years to, to rebuild everything. Um, but the reason why we got into franchise was also a, a, a need from, I'm not going to say need, but request from, from other people that mm. really that saw us um, doing what we were doing. They saw the brand, um, they saw the, the technology that we had built and, and the systems in place. And, and they were asking like, hey, would you license this software um, for, to, to us or, or would you want to? come and, and help or, or coaches and, and advise uh, our business a little bit. And in the beginning, I, I hold off to it because having software for yourself is one thing, but selling yeah. the software to other people is a completely different uh, ball game and different yeah. business. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to lose focus from, from what we were doing. Uh, but then with the pandemic happening, I had someone that I met at a conference uh, and they were from Aruba and they had been asking me for, I think, almost two years. We stayed in touch and she has been asking me for for advice and, and how they could solve certain problems. And they invited me to come to Aruba. And one day I said, OK, let's let's just do it and, and see how we can help them over there. Went to Aruba. Um discovered actually an amazing uh, place uh, with with vacation rentals amazing people and what i noticed is that everything happened there the way it was happening 10 years ago in in orlando or in the u.s uh, market uh, all the competition was really far behind there were not very um or, or not many professional uh, players a lot of smaller players so after we uh, spending a week there with the people I said, yeah, there is some opportunity here, but yeah. I cannot do it alone because you need that local knowledge. Uh, things were completely different there than than they work in the US. So yeah. I need a, a, yeah, a partner here um, that is local, that knows everyone on the island, that knows how the laws and the regulations work. And we decided to to partner up and, and start Casiola Aruba um, there. And then we implemented our software, our marketing, our website. And what we saw within a couple of, of weeks or months, it, it really took off. Um, once we started promoting Aruba on our website, within six months, we were the number one spot in Google for vacation rental management in Aruba, for vacation rental homes in Aruba. Wow. Just because our ranking and authority in Orlando, they had never seen something like that in Aruba, which yeah. is a small market. So all those local competitors could not come even close to the traffic and, and authority that we uh, had. So, and we were able to grow that business from 
around 15 homes when we started in 2001 all the way to 100 homes in in less than two years so huge uh, um yeah growth uh, um tra- trajectory uh, there yeah and now we started thinking okay we've done it in um in aruba can we do the same um in in other areas so we we started uh, miami ourselves so that company owned uh, outlet was very successful there too and and then we had something like yeah we're we're, we're on to something uh, um let's let's see if we can replicate that with with other uh partners in the business and and smaller property managers that want to grow but don't know how or they don't have the software or, yeah. or the, the marketing know-how on how to do it so that's that's what we're doing now we launched uh, casiola franchise a few uh, um months ago and it's basically open to existing property managers to to realtors to um to people new in the business that want to start their own vacation rental company but just need that that guidance and coaching on how to do it um and and they can use our brand or software approval processes so that they can really focus on their owners growing their business and taking care of their guests and homes and everything else we will take off their plate their um choosing which software to use or how to build a website yeah. or how to do google advertising we will do all that for them so they can focus on what's really important to to grow their business yeah no it's a super super interesting model is it and is it mostly just a, a rev share or a profit share or, or is there any sort of like brand licensing that 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 is kind of baked into this or, or how does that work today yeah so it's it's a classic like uh, franchise model. So we charge a percentage on the um, gross rental revenue, which okay. is four point nine percent. But for that four point nine percent, they get so much in in return. Yeah. So for us, and and I'm not just saying that to to sell our services, but they can usually not do for the 4.9% all the things that we offer them. Um, if they would do it themselves, it would cost them a lot more yeah. than, than the 4.9% of their revenue. And that's, I think, what's really great about it. It's a win-win. We are growing as a brand and as a company. And for the individual uh, business owners, they get so much in return um, that they wouldn't have if they would do it on their own. So everybody wins in this uh, relationship. And, and that's why I think it's it's going to be so strong and, and really growing a lot over the next few years. Do you think uh, how has how have your how has your team had to like change with with this new direction of business right because because in theory you've got people that are now like you know have to do things that you might have not that that most vacation rental managers like don't have to hire for right like support customer support helping people you know use your software like training them on that software right making sure that the brand standards are being enforced of of Casiola, right like so uh, can you talk to us a little bit about how like your team makeup has had to shift in light of this new product offering yeah, absolutely. And it is a big uh, change, um, especially for all those departments that are usually completely behind the scenes, uh, right? You have yeah. guest relations and then you have the operations teams. They're used to work with customers because that's what they do all day. But our internal teams like accounting and marketing and IT um even revenue management distribution they're not used to work with with customers so i really had to train them in explain them like 
from now on, you're going to have internal customers. Yeah. Orlando, yeah. Uba, Miami, those are your customers uh, right now. Before, it was just co-workers or colleagues that you would uh, um, work with, but now they have become customers. They paid money for your services, so you better deliver. And you're, you cannot come back and say, oh, I don't have time. Uh, <laughs> I will get to it when I get to it. No, they're, they're paying customers. So yeah. it's a big, big shift. Same with, with IT. Um, we have now a campaign going on what we call everything has to be franchise friendly everything that we built has to be consumer grade software even if it's just a settings page on the back end that you maybe use once a year now it's not just going to be me and a couple of other internal people using it now it's going to be all those individual business owners uh, using this and they may have questions if it's not clear or it's not working they're going to complain to you about yeah their service not working that they're paying for so it's a, it's a big shift and it will probably still take a while before everybody gets on the, the right mindset but uh yeah we work with a lot of stakeholders now and and we need to see them as as customers we may lose them if we don't do a good job exactly and, yeah uh, franchisees don't see value um if they don't get a higher return that, that they're paying uh, for us they, they're gonna uh, leave our concept in in the future so uh, that's not what we want um so everybody has to be focused on providing value uh, to them Last minute cancellations suck. And that's why we built Ping. Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and allows your fans and followers to sign up and be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and she wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and they will be pinged if the requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which enables you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping is what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. You can get access to our beta pricing with plans that start at just $39 a year at bnbping.com. Again, that's bnbping.com. So right now you guys are in vacation rental hot markets, right? You're in Miami, you're in Orlando, and you're in Aruba, all like tropical-ish locations. Um, yeah. How do you think about the expansion of the franchise beyond these these markets? Like, does a Casiola brand in the Smoky Mountains make sense? Does it make sense to have a Casiola brand in you know the, on the West Coast or the Pacific Northwest? Or like, how, how do you think about expansion? And are are you intentionally limiting sort of the brand around specific regions and or specific locations to to help sort of like maintain a, a stronger consumer facing in integrity and and to your earlier point helping people build associations that oh like if you want to go to a, if you want to have a great tropical location getaway a, tr a great tropical getaway you should book a Casiola vacation rental or like how are you thinking about constraints you might be placing on the brand right now as you guys grow or or are there no constraints um 
we're definitely focused on Florida right now for a franchise model just because it's easier. It's close by. Yeah. We can jump in a car, drive there. Now, if there is a great opportunity outside Florida, we're not going to say no. Uh, but we have got an interest from all around the world, from New Zealand to um, Rio de Janeiro to Dubai, uh, all around. And we would love to be in all those locations, but it also comes with a couple of challenges. You have different currencies, different time zones, you yeah, have different, yeah. um, e even the, 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 the riding is different. If, if you go to an Arabic country, it's not from left to right, but from right to left. So it has huge implications on, on the software and, and operations. So it's a lot easier to focus on, on the US. Yeah. Uh, but again, we're open to to everything. Now, the great thing about our current destinations is we have Orlando, which is like a leisure resort market, theme parks, very unique, I think. So there's not that many other markets that are very similar. But then Miami is, is a typical urban market. Yeah. We're um, in downtown Miami, um, more business uh, focused. So it's really great to see the differences there and to be able to, to learn how urban markets uh, work. And then you have uh, um, Aruba, which is an island beach destination. Um, it's, again, completely different than Miami and and Orlando so it, it's great to have those different uh, markets and and uh, build up knowledge um, and experience uh, there um focus for now is is Florida um close by easier to control and having similar um seasonality yeah but we're absolutely open for mountain markets snow markets in in the end that's what we want to become having a big footprint so that we all benefit uh, um, from from a bigger brand because that's that's a great thing about uh, franchise everybody has their own business but the sum of all those individual businesses is so much greater than um, than they would have if, if they would not join a franchise and just uh, stay with their own uh, brand. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a really smart play, and I'm really excited to see how it, how it plays out. Do you have any advice for folks, or do you see sort of any op other opportunities that I don't, maybe it would be a direct competitor to Cassiola? Maybe maybe it'd be something like totally different. Like, is there anything? If, you know, from from your you're, you're an entrepreneur, right? So when you look at the market right now, you look at the landscape. What opportunities do you see for people to go build new companies and or go and build new offerings in in sort of the greater hospitality and travel space? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of our, our businesses still have to be doing a much better job in the marketing side. Um, even if you look at, at big national vacation rental brands, I, I'm not getting like wild from, from any brand that's out there right now. Um, yeah. Like Airbnb is, is an amazing brand. You have a couple of hotel chains that really have impressive brands that everybody knows and recognizes, but even the largest player in our industry we all know them within the industry, but I think if you ask 10 people um, outside our, our um, industry, name one vacation rental brand that no one is going to be able to answer, or they're all going to say Airbnb or yeah. maybe Verbo. Yeah. So I think there's a, a lot of work uh, um, to do there on, on our side. And then also on, on the software and, and technology side, I see so much software that is built by 
developers, which is very weird to say because, of course, software is built by developers. Who else is going to build it? But we need to get to a level um, of Apple or Google-like software where you, without any training, it just works. You, yeah. you, you get working with it and you just know where to go for certain things or you figure it out very quickly and, and it just works. And I think there's so much work that we still have to do there. Um, a lot of software systems without a training or a manual, you, you have no idea how to, to make it work or, or it just creates barriers uh, for as well the team as, as for guests uh, that have to use it. And, and that's that's not good. And what I've seen in, in e-commerce, every second, every click counts. And, and if you don't make it easy for people, people are just going to move on to the next thing and, yeah. and not use it or come up with systems to do the same the same thing as you want them to do in the software, but outside the software. So that's, that's something uh, um, very important. Another thing that I think we have to do a better, better job uh, as an industry is focusing more on returns, looking at vacation rentals really as an investment and not as us taking care of your property and doing maintenance and housekeeping, but really treating it like like the stock market, almost like a Robinhood account. Um, and I think there's a big job there for our, all the PMS systems uh, out there to mm. not focus so much on expenses, but about yeah the revenue that you bring in we we have built our own owner app um, that really points out, hey, this is how much money we made you. This is what we're paying you out uh, this month. This is how much money you paid since you started working with us. Hoping that owners do not look at every single $15 charge for this or $10 charge for that. If they see like, oh, I made so much more money than the same month last year. And in total, Casiola generated me $250,000 uh, this year. That's a whole different approach than sending them a statement yeah. with the bookings yeah. and all the expenses, and they need to go all the way to the bottom to see what they're actually going to receive on their bank account uh, that month. Yeah. So we need to, to switch it around. We're actually, instead of a property manager, we should be an asset uh, manager. We're we're more we're managing their assets um, in the best possible way, and to do that is is by creating. Um, great or providing great guest services to um, making sure that the property looks okay, but without overspending and making sure that there's enough uh, bookings in, in the property. So the move from property management to asset management, I think, is is, is important for us and, and something that we're trying to work on. I love it. And I think that that framing is incredibly, incredibly important. And and just helpful. Uh, and and I think you're right. And especially as more and more institutional capital floods into the space and as more as the industry just becomes a little bit more professionalized, all the more helpful to to change the framing. Um, so I, I love that. Dennis, this has been a, a wonderful conversation. I'm super thankful for what you're doing in the space, the model that you're building. You, you're clearly an innovator. And this is my, you know, the first time that we've spoken, but I'm just jazzed and pumped uh, just hearing you talk. So thank you for for taking the time to to chat with me to share a little bit about your story. If folks want to learn a little bit more about Casiola, that they might be interested in franchising, and or they just want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, our website, casiola.com, you will find everything on there as well, our homes to stay at as more information about franchise or join, joining our owner program. So casiola.com. 
perfect. And I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes below. Uh, thank you, sir, so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me, Zach. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe. Um, And thanks in advance. All right, everyone. See you next time.